0: We're going to transition now, I think, I believe, to a little bit of a time, of a Q&A, and Pastor Rod Phillips is going to come up and uh, help facilitate that for Sam and I, and I think some questions have been submitted in advance that we're going to try to navigate through together.
1: First of all, I want to say to um, both uh, Sam and Jonathan here, not only are we thankful for your really helpful teaching tonight, um, it's been absolutely fantastic, agreed. Um, <clears throat> I'm also thankful for the, the godly tone that you guys have modeled for us because in, in my estimation this is part of, part of our struggle it, it's just even what you were saying just the way we communicate and just thank you for modeling that for us And um, in the next few minutes, we don't have a lot of time, but we have some questions. Some did come through email, and um, some have have been talked about uh, among some of the the people that are here. And uh, at the beginning, you know, Sam, you talked about many faces being here. There's people here for different reasons. Um, You have pastors that are saying, how do I go about handling this in the context of my church? Um, You have parents that are wondering, what do I do with my child? Uh, you have those who are struggling with same-sex attraction, um, and a variety of people that are just looking for answers, and, and I'm, I'm sorry we can't answer all the questions, but there are a few that I would like to, to maybe pose to you, and let's begin tonight um, by looking at the the, the, the parental question. Um, and I think the, the question that's, that's burning on my heart that I hear, um, and it's also been related through some questions, is how... How, as parents whose children have grown up in the church, who either in their teen years or even as their as adults, who, who come out during that time, how do, how do parents maintain the line of Scripture while at the same time seek to maintain that relationship? Because it seems so difficult. And part of that, I think, is because there seems to be such an aggression um, uh, by those who have, have embraced that lifestyle. It just seems really, really hard to do that. And the backup question then that would follow up with that would be then, what do those parents do when they want to bring their partner home? Or um, there's, a, there's a birthday party or there's some kind of a, a gathering and, and they want to come and they want to bring that significant other with them. Um, and is the family ready for it? All, all those, those are practical but real questions that we face. Uh, how would you counsel us with, with that?
2: Um, <laughs> a lot of it will depend on so many other variables, the kind of relationship you've had with that child up until then and the sort of dynamic you have. All those kinds of things will have a bearing on this. I think... As we've been hearing, listening really well is key. Um, you, you were saying that sometimes that the child can be quite ag- aggressive in how they present this issue and, and that kind of thing. Uh, sometimes Christian parents can be equally aggressive. Um, and it's, I've seen a few instances where a child has, has disclosed that kind of thing to, to the Christian parent. And then the first thing that happens is, right... Romans 1 right now, sit down we're going we're to go through this um, and I, th- I think a, a posture of listening, of, again of, of letting that child know that they are heard and understood um, that, that moment of disclosure is most likely not the right time to get, get your Bible out and start telling them what you think they should believe about homosexuality um, I think that the first thing a child needs to know is that you still, you're still there for them. Um, virtually all of those disclosures will will be will be nerve-wracking for the for the child, and so actually the the first response I think a, a parent can give is is to thank the child for entrusting that information to the parent. Uh, to if the child is comfortable sharing a little bit more to encourage that, to let them know that this does not change the fact that, you know, as a a parent you you love them and you care for them. Um, And I think in in most cases here we're we're playing a long game. Um, And the goal isn't, I've got to get them, you know, biblically faithful by next Thursday. The goal actually might be I still want to be the person they most feel able to come to when the wheels fall off in ten years' time. Just a consistent, faithful, loving presence um, that takes the time to pursue them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just echo all of those things that Sam said. I, I think especially when it comes to parents and their children, a lot of times parents have all of those, I would call them secondary or even tertiary questions about baby showers, weddings, sleepovers, can they come for Thanksgiving... And they want the questions to drive their decision-making rather than to start with a biblical framework, be convinced of that, be grounded in that, and then allow their convictions to direct those decisions. So I'm trying to help parents say, hey, here's what's most important. What do you believe about sex? Do we actually have a biblical framework that's not just about good sexual morals, but that is a biblical vision for sexuality? I'd also tell parents, don't make it about yourself. A lot of times parents will come in and I had a, a mom come in a few weeks ago, and you know, the first thing that she told her daughter when her daughter came out was, what about grandchildren? She goes, I'm never going to have grandchildren, and don't you know how hard that's going to be for me? Mm. It's a right concern for the mom. I want to hear her in that moment, but in that moment, what she's also done is she's reframed a conversation from her own perspective and cut off opportunity to, to really empathize where her daughter's coming from. I'd say for parents that have children of a younger age, I'd say start out as early as you can teaching a positive biblical vision for gender and sexuality that's biblically informed, not culturally informed. Mm. And stick to what the Bible has to say about masculinity and femininity. Stick to what the Bible has to say about sexuality and help kids at a very young age understand that it's good. Yeah. That it's good, that it's good news. Um, for parents that have kids that are of an older age, I always tell them there's there's not a certain point where you've like lost your kid, but but start as early as you can. But don't feel like that you know they're beyond hope in any way. And I think Sam's comment about the long game is is very critical. That maintaining a voice, maintaining a role of influence in their life by by maintaining a relationship will be important because they're going to have disappointments in their relationships. Uh, same-sex couples divorce. Same-sex couples break up. Same-sex couples have troubles, just like heterosexual couples. And so those very human concerns, I think, again, provide wonderful connecting opportunities for relationship.
1: So thank you for that. The The follow-up to that, and you've touched a little bit on it, is, is the, the practical implications of things that are going on in their world, and their lives, and they're wanting to function with a normalcy in the context of your family or extended family (laughs) that coming home coming to 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 parties or activities or just engaging in the in the life of the family and that might be shocking for the family Uh, what kind of counsel what kind of suggestions would you give parents that are trying to struggle through all that
0: yeah i mean it's sometimes it's, it's it's a question of what's what's most difficult for you is that that this is putting you into a difficult position or that it's inconveniencing you or even that we're normal, You know that it's readjusting your sense of normal um, and and trying to help them rest in God's providence and in his sovereignty that that these things have not caught him by surprise, Mm. that they're opportunities for growth, not something to get out of. I think sometimes we're really quick to get out of the valley, uh, out onto the other side, and yet seems as if God does some of his best work in the valley and you know I I think that happens when we view the 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 child or whoever it is in our life as more of a project to be fixed than a person to be loved and just trying to help parents and again I I, that wouldn't be something explicitly that I would tell a parent I would want to help bring them along to that in, in love and in compassion and I think that's part of a counselor's role is to model for them the type of interactions that you would want them to embody so I would never tell a parent like, like hey you're so stupid or what are you doing you're like totally messing this up but just try to ask them good questions that would help bring them to that realization so
2: I think when it comes to if the child is in a relationship I think again I've seen parents sort of say well you're never bringing that person round here. And what you can end up unwittingly doing is is asking the child, hey, do you want to hang out with parents who manifestly disapprove of everything or do you want to hang out with this person who seems to love you? And it can often actually push the child further away. I think uh, hospitality it is good to actually say, well, a friend of yours is a friend of ours. And disapproving of the relationship doesn't mean you have to disapprove of the person. <laughs> And I've, I've seen where Christian parents have actually formed a good relationship with the the child's, you know, partner. That has often been a way of the, the partner then leading the child back into the Christian faith. Um, so I think
1: reaching out in that kind of way can be can be helpful as well. Excellent, fabulous answers, guys. Appreciate it. Um, moving then from parents, um, this one has more to do with with individuals that are struggling with same-sex temptation. Is same-sex temptation a sin? Why or why not?
0: You know, I'll, I'll give an answer that, again, in a counseling context, I would give out, and just go to James chapter one, and I'd start off in James chapter one, two through four, and I'd just say, you know, James is describing this dynamic of listen, we all of us are going to encounter trials of various kinds, and the purpose is. Of those trials seem to be the formation, the completion, the maturing of our faith, and then come further down into that section in James one thirteen through fifteen, where it says each of us are tempted when we are lured away and enticed, and when sin gives birth, it gives birth to death. And that word "tempted" there is the same word as trials, you know, in in, in verse two. And that it seems that at the moment of temptation, that there is there is actually an opportunity to find refuge in Christ, to find comfort in Christ, and. Oftentimes, I think we view temptation primarily from a sin paradigm, like a temptation to sin, and I try to help clients reframe the initial moment of temptation more from a suffering paradigm, from a paradigm of brokenness of, what do I do with these disordered desires with this temptation? Will I actually run to Christ, find refuge and fulfillment in Him, and thus have an opportunity for my faith to be matured and strengthened and fulfilled, or... I do believe that when temptation gives and goes down that pathway of being lured away and enticed, it does become sinful. But that but that moment, for many of us, again, not just for people who struggle with same-sex attraction, we get what that moment is a million times a day, or at least I do. I, I'm up against that crossroads of, am I going to stare at my pantry at nine o'clock at night and find something to, to satiate my feelings, right? To, to eat some, you know, you know eat a, a pint of Haagen-Dazs ice cream because that makes me feel better, right? Or will I, will I pivot and, and run to Christ as refuge, right? That's, that's the moment that, that I'm fighting. That's the moment that I actually find that, that my fellow LGBT strugglers are, are also finding themselves in too, so.
2: That's great. I was going to go to James 1 as well, yeah. I think James 1 does two things at the same time. He shows us that, he says, temptation can give birth to sin. So it's not exactly the same as sin. But he also says it's our own desires that, that tempt us. <laughs> so it's, um, I think there's a distinction between temptation and sin, but there's also a recognition that the kind of temptations we experience come from, from being fallen people. And so we, we, at the very least, need to say to God, I- I'm sorry I'm the kind of person who finds these things tempting, because uh, that, that is a reflection of our fallenness.
1: Thank you. Here's one. Uh, I want you to imagine someone in this auditorium here who's coming here tonight. They're struggling with same-sex attraction. They haven't told anyone. They're part of a church somewhere, and they're wanting to know, what do I do now? How do I? What's the roadmap for me from from this moment? I've been here tonight. What do I do with this? Uh, how do I proceed? What are some thoughts you may have? Uh, one
2: of my favorite verses on on this kind of thing um, is is First John one verse seven, um, which I. I don't trust my memory to say without looking it up. Um, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Walking in the light in the context here is is, is honesty. Um, and so I'd encourage someone in that situation to have someone else who knows, uh, to talk to someone who you respect, uh, older Christian perhaps or a leader. Um, We're not designed to fight our battles on our own. Uh, We need fellowship. We need the encouragement of other people. Uh, That can feel risky, um, disclosing these things for the first time. And I'm certainly not, and I think there's a difference between sharing it with a couple of people, and, and I'm not saying everyone should be public about it. But I think we need the input. We need to have other Christians who know what our stuff is. Just as it's good for us to know what their stuff is. And what I love about what John says here is that actually as we do that, as we are honest with one another about our sins, John says if we do that, we have fellowship with one another. Actually we really do have a stake in one another and we are, we are more deeply known by one another. Um, fellowship is not just the presence of two or more Christians you know in the presence of a cup of coffee fellowship is that kind of honesty and being known and he then says and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin Um, that becomes more of a felt reality the more we are known by one another and the more we are ministering the grace of God to each other the more actually we really do have fellowship and then the blood of Jesus isn't just a kind of theoretical abstract idea but it becomes a deeply sensed reality as we walk through these things with one another
1: Thank
2: you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I would go to the
0: same spot as Sam if somebody here was struggling I would say, I would think to myself is there someone, someone in my life that I trust, someone else maybe who's even in this room uh, that I could share this with and maybe the verse that I would go to that I would try to reframe that conversation would be Galatians 6.2, where it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Hmm. And if there's someone here that is bearing that burden, the way that I might reframe it is not so much by way of disclosure of temptation and struggle, but as an opportunity for love that you're actually extending yourself to another believer, you're living into your identity, you're created for community, you're created for a connection, mm-hmm. and you're actually extending an opportunity to someone to so fulfill the law of Christ. And if you're on the receiving end of that disclosure, you know, I would want to tell you what would it look like for you then to also share one of your burdens. Mm-hmm. And it's this dynamic, you know, Ed Welch oftentimes talks about the fact that we are both needy and needed people. We're needy and needed people. And that, that dynamic of being able to be both of those things at the same time within the context of a relationship, especially with the context that you're describing as someone who's bearing that, um, bring it out into the light. I think Satan can be very influential in allowing things of that nature to stay in the darkness and uh, they can become really laden with shame and with guilt. Um, The point of disclosure, though, also represents the greatest opportunity for broken trust. And so if you are about to disclose that and you're on the receiving end of that, I hope you understand what a stewardship that person is giving to you. Mm. And to treat that moment really as a holy moment to say, thank you. Mm. That must have been really hard. But I appreciate that you're sharing that with me. Um, so the first John passage Galatians again living into that light of what it means to be built for community and created for connection I think that's just a good word for all of us I would want to do that myself
1: and that's a, that's a huge challenge for us all it really is um, um, I want to be that guy that someone can share that with yeah. and be faithful to, to listen to nurture to be very guarded with my words to be ministering gospel truths uh, gently and carefully in the context of where they're coming from um you guys have served us well tonight um i, I just want to thank you for 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 this region this has been absolutely fantastic um i think pastors and, and members of churches are going to go home with a lot to talk about tonight um and this is a foundation for us to build upon um, this is a in one sense, a new area, as you were talking about, this is a this is a new time for us to minister in, and I think we've have to shift not necessarily, well, not not our gospel, but the the paradigms by which we're going to be talking about the gospel, and that's really been helpful to hear tonight. And um, just talking with my wife, there's some things that we have to kind of rotate and shift and just put together maybe a little differently, and. Um, uh, you guys have really helped us to think through those things. So thank you once again for, for your ministry tonight. I also want to thank uh, Chris Oliveri and the uh, staff here at uh, Clayton Valley Church. Uh, thank you so much for your hosting. And want to invite all of you that have registered um, to come to testify conference tomorrow. You're going to hear these guys again, and uh, looking forward to that. Let's let's have a word of prayer as we close. We'll commit to all this to the Lord, okay? Lord, we thank you for your kindness to us. Many of us tonight probably did not know exactly what to expect. We're going to be leaving tonight, Lord, with not only renewed minds because of going back through Scripture and just seeing the beauty of, of your unfolding gospel and how it how it embraces us, but lord we've been we 've been tooled in a fresh way uh, lord we are we are better because of this, Lord, help now the things that we 've learned to take root, um, Lord, to be in our conversations about how we can implement them, how we can be the kind of people that uh, are serving others who are struggling, and uh, Lord would would you just be glorified with the things that we have heard tonight and how we have wrestled and how we 've listened and how we've humbled ourselves before them. And Lord, may, uh, may the future not seem so gloomy, but Lord, may we be mindful of the fact that you are uh, seated on your throne. There's nothing shaking you in heaven whatsoever. Um, we might see chaos, but Lord, there's stability um, in, in your creation because you have it all under control. And Lord, may we maybe walk away with that promise and that certainty that even the, the, the struggles and the mess or the difficulties that we're experiencing as it relates to uh, sexuality, Lord, would, would we be confident that you are fully aware, fully in control, and that your gospel has not been diminished whatsoever. It is brighter and is powerful, Lord, to accomplish its purposes in our lives. And we praise you for this time. We thank you, Lord, for um, our brothers here. And we ask, Lord, that you would take these things now and Seal them in our hearts, we ask in your precious name. Amen. Thank you for being here. God bless you. You are dismissed.